Blog Talk Radio. J.I.P. Oh, no, that's the wrong show. I am on Journey to Passion with the DKS on Everyday Folks Radio. I got two things going on, (laughs) y'all. Today is Journey to Passion with the DKS on Everyday Folks Radio, the 89th episode. Can y'all believe it? We are getting close to 100. And I was just talking to somebody earlier. I got some big plans for it, so stay tuned. It is 3 p.m. on November 20th, 2021. Thanksgiving is around the corner. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. I hope you enjoy yourself and eat some good food. Don't forget to keep up with Everyday Folks Radio programming right here on www.blogtalkradio.com slash everydayfolksradio. And come back on December 6th at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You know what it is. It's time for the annual prep show. That's right. We got to get prepped for 2022. It's going to be a big year, so we got a lot of prepping to do. I will be sharing the first three items of our prep list on our 12th episode of the other show, JIP Inspiration Moment, and closing out the Celebration of Caregivers episode and one final tip. That will post on my Facebook page and Instagram on November 29th at 7 a.m., and it will be on www.facebook.com slash journey to passion with an EKS and Instagram at www.instagram.com slash Anike underscore S dot underscore Madison. Don't worry about remembering all of that. Just go to one location at www.anikmadison.net. Everything is right there for you. And you know I got to do my birthday shout-outs. Happy birthday weekend to my cousin Sharon Woodard and all of you who are celebrating your birthday or anniversary. You know my rule, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, the weekend belongs to you. So happy birthday weekend and anniversary weekend. And safe travels to the Michigan Wolverines, who are playing in Maryland today. Wishing the Wolverines and my godbrother, Jaden, Jaden Hood, I wish you a great game. Go Wolverines. And congratulations to my fellow South Florida Writers Association members on being featured authors at the Miami Book Fair. If you go to the Miami Book Fair, stop by their booth and tell them a thank you. And, of course, happy National Family Caregivers Month. Thank you to all caregivers for your sacrifice and your care. You are appreciated. Now, you know what to do. If you have a question or comment during the live broadcast or even after the show, send me an email to anikepassionjourney at gmail.com. If you're listening to the live show right now, give us a call at 347-539-5372. Press 1 on your keypad when you are ready. Today is the Caregiver's Roundtable with my mom, Sylvia Madison, my coworker, Nita Itzel, and myself. We are going to be talking about the caregiving journey as, in, as it relates to three, well, actually about four or five different perspectives among us. My own experience as a full-time caregiver, 
my mom's experience working full-time and caregiving long distance, and my coworkers' experience as working from home and returning to work. A lot of you know these different journeys, especially right now, so please make sure that you, tune, you stay tuned in. Get yourself something to write with because there's going to be a lot of great tips on these experiences. And don't forget, my book, Step-by-Step Caregiver's Guide for Medical Appointments and Hospital Visits, is now available on Amazon. So you can click on my book cover on my website at amikmadison.net to get the link. And if you live in the South Florida area, please go to Sunnyland Books and Books location at 11297. South Dixie Highway, Pinecrest, Florida, 33156. Please support your local bookstores. All right. So let's get this thing started. All right. Miss Nita, are you with us? I'm here. I'm here. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Hello, and I'm Mom Madison, and I'm definitely grateful for my daughter and grateful to be on the show. Thank you. And hello, Nita. How are you? I'm doing well. And yourself, Anike's mom? Fine. Yep, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. (laughs) I'm so glad to have you all on the show today. Okay, so let's jump right into it because we have a lot to talk about. Nita, welcome to the show. And um, tell us about yourself and your caregiving journey. Well, I was blessed to have my mother-in-law come to us um, two years ago in October. Um, It's been quite the journey. Um, We had a lot of ups and downs in the beginning, but we're starting to uh, just now get everything, I guess, in line. So I've learned a lot. Uh, I, I am sure. I know we've, we've had conversations. I know you have. And I got to tell you from the beginning, the conversations that we've had and things that we do, she is she's a blessing and she's absolutely wonderful on her journey, which is one of the reasons why I want her to come on the show today. So thank you, Miss Nita. You're welcome. Mom. Hi, everybody. I think I'm here from a couple of perspectives, long distance. Uh, encouraging and taking care of my mom long distance. And, of course, I had my husband, So and working full time. So to those who are sort of discouraged, don't be, because uh, if, you, if you feel down and if you feel discouraged, that only interferes with your ability to do what you know you have to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And so in my book, I talk about being an advocate. Um, and I actually have a chapter in it because that's the, for me, it was the most difficult part of the journey. Um, and so for myself, I was a full-time caregiver. I didn't work. And um, it, was, it was tough at times because it's not easy not earning an income. Going from working full-time to not earning any money at all is not an easy feat. But um, it's... It was just one of those things where you had to stay organized. You had to make sure that you took care of yourself as well as the patient. And I'm going to use the word the patient a lot. If you haven't heard me say that before, I'm using that not to be cold. I'm saying that because two things. 
You want to know that they are the patient, not your patient, that somebody else is taking care of their medical care. You are just the caregiver and don't put more on your plate than you need to. And the second is right in the word patient. You got to put on a patient hat not only for the patient themselves, but for you and the medical providers that are providing medical care. So with that being said, um, Nita, as far as your caregiving journey, what would you say is one of the most more difficult aspects of that journey? Patients part is very difficult. Um, my mother-in-law has dementia, so we do struggle a lot. Um, I do have to have a lot of patients, and I have learned over this time um, that I do have more patients than I could have ever imagined. Um, so I think that patience is probably the best thing that I've learned out of this journey. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Mom? Okay. Um, since I had a twofold situation, when my mom got to the point where she could not take care of herself, we could not encourage her to stay with any of us because she was not going to have her children tell her what to do. She still had her strong mind which meant that I would have to take care of her uh, while she remained at home in her comfort area, in her comfort state, and I had to come back to Florida, and yet I still had to be responsible for my mom. And I had to separate myself from feeling that I'm not there and that I can still do this and undertake this um, I encouraged all of her friends and family to please stay there, visit her, uh, keep her company as much as possible. Uh, I still did the caretaking uh, by way of making sure I stayed connected 24-7 to the nursing home. Um, and we had no choice. You do what you have to do. I like your chapter that says, the call, let's pause for encouragement in your book, because caretakers definitely need encouragement. And Nita, I heard you say the difficulty in taking care of your mother-in-law who has dementia. And if anybody needs encouragement, because that is quite a challenge, you definitely need to be encouraged. And um, patience and, and also reach out for anybody else and other friends to help you along this journey because I reached out to many to help me with the long-distance journey and, of course, with the journey with my husband when he became sick. So because I'm still working full-time, if you don't, you, it'll be very overwhelming because you feel like you're by yourself. So be encouraged to know that um, you're not. That's a great segue because, um, uh, Capri, thank you so much. I appreciate you tuning in and your pre-show uh, question. And the email that she sent is, hi, I'm not a caregiver at the moment, and I hope the question is not too far off topic, but do you have any suggestions on help or any support uh, or on, on any help or support for someone who, who can give that kind of help to a caregiver? And so, um, Mom, you, you started that, and I, and I think that's an excellent, that was an excellent question. Thank you so much, Capri. And so when you got the help that you needed, can you expand on that? Okay, that encouraged me because that made me have a, feel more comfortable 
when you have to leave your, your, your loved one, especially my mom, and come states away and yet stay connected. And I could sleep a little better knowing that quite a few people promised they would they were going to definitely overwhelm her with love. They're going to visit her. They're going to bring dinners over. They're going to keep in tabs. And they would call me to tell me, give me updates on how mom looked and what she did. And that took a lot of pressure off of me. Uh, and so if you're going to be a helper to somebody who has to be in this position, you cannot offer too much help. You, can, if you don't need to be the doctor, but you be there for them when, if they need some encouragement, if they need you to hold their hand, maybe to do a run an errand or make a couple of calls. They're busy, and maybe you can call the doctor's office Monday for them or something or try to help them organize, whatever. All of that is of great help, and that really took a lot of pressure off of me knowing that my mom was not by herself. Absolutely, and, and, and you're right. When you're offering help, be specific, because if you can't do everything, you know, because this, this, you're talking to somebody who literally may not be able to do anything other than what they're doing. And so be specific with what you're offering as help. Nita? Yes, I, I agree. I have friends that have offered to take her to doctor visits or, you know, because I am working full time. Um, so definitely take them up on that and accept the help because that's just important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, Nita, what is your experience about being at home and working at the same time while being a caregiver? It's a good thing. I mean, I'm able to see her, hear her. I know if anything happens, I have a little more peace of mind knowing that I'm here. Um, Now that I've gone back to work, um, I'm fortunate right now that my husband is home, but he's going to be going back to work very shortly. So it is a concern um, for me if, God forbid, something were to happen when I'm not here. And I know I have no control over that, but it is very nerve-wracking, and, and it's worrisome. Yeah, and I, I hear you because I know that you're really great at organizing. So how do you keep organizing, being organized, being that you have returned to work? How do you keep all that kind of going? Well, I, I kind of learned that from you, Anike. Um your book uh, you. basically said to write, you know, everything down and keep a schedule and a calendar, and it has done wonders. I, I, I definitely, it's the only way I could do it, even as much as uh, making lists of her medications and, you know, when it's due and the milligrams and everything. Um, I learned that all from you. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm, glad, I'm so glad because that's one of the things that's really important to me after writing this book is am I actually helping the caregivers? So knowing that I'm helping somebody who is currently a caregiver and people who have been a caregiver in the past, it just it really helps me a lot. So, well, Listen, I'm going to tell you, if it wasn't for my daughter, I would have lost it because working the full time and then having to do caregiving long distance than when my husband got sick. And I watched her be so organized. I just literally left it alone. I'm going to tell you the truth. I walked away from the organization. I would come home and say, uh, what's his next appointment and when is he going and what? Because I had to work full time. And then I would relieve her in the evenings because, after all, she was with him all day. So in the evenings, it was my shift. And 
I didn't have to worry about anything. She says, okay. She would leave out. She says, okay, at 8 o'clock he takes this, and at 8 or 9 he takes this, and at 10 this is what he does, Mom. That was so great. So a yes. helper is 1,000%. I would not have done it without her, but her organizational skills. And then when we went to the hospital, the doctors, depending on her notes, I'm like, this is awesome. All I could do is just sit there and make sure I'm there for him because the caretaker took care of everything, and it was worth every second. Thank yes, you. I I've seen that. In, yeah, I've seen that, that right? in oh. hospital visits as well having everything written down because they do have to know all of the medications, you know, everything that she's taking. And um, it, it definitely helped a lot to have that, that log. Yeah. And you know what's amazing about that uh, is that the doctors are asking you, I'm like, I'm not, and I would, be, I would be beside myself in asking him, why are you asking me? Don't you have the MD degree? And I would be literally upset. That's why I had to separate myself from that. And my daughter very calmly gave them everything they needed. And I'm saying that's mm-hmm. what needed to be done. And i got to remember, he's not their only patient, but the doctors, you know, go on. They don't take all the details. So they need the detailed uh, person, and she was this, that. So uh, you're right. You really need to do that and make sure that that's yes. done. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, and I'm, and that's, you know, that organization saved me. <laughs> it saved because I was not interested in trying to memorize all that stuff. There was a lot of information, and I had no intention of memorizing it. So when I created that, that document for myself, it was a saving grace for me because I was like, I'm going to spell everything out so that there's nothing to chance, especially when it comes to medications, appointments, and treatments. I didn't want to get that wrong. So, yep. you know, definitely encourage you to do that. Sorry, did you want to say something? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So if you have a question or comment, you know what to do. Call 347-539-5372. Press 1 when you are ready. I'm taking a look in the studio just to make sure that don't have any calls, and I'm doing a refresh on the email, and anikpassionjourney at gmail.com is waiting for your email. Okay, so we are clear on the uh, studio. All right, so we're doing good. And so um, I know one of the things that, you know, you were talking about the difficulties of, of being concerned, you know, returning to work, and I think that, you know, this it is very important to stay organized and also getting the, the outside help. And a lot of people are kind of stuck in that. Like some people may be just about to return to work and they're thinking about what should I do right now. So if you had that opportunity to go back and say, before I return, return to work, I should have done, what would, how would you answer that question? Nita. <laughs> You still there? Uh-oh. Did we lose Ms. Nita? Are you still with us? I, I still see you in the studio. Nita? Okay. All right. Well, Mom, you want to try it? Well, no. Let me just say something. Uh, it, when you were talking about returning to work, 
I was thinking also along the lines of before you return to work and you know you have to have your loved one either, I don't know, if they're going to be at home or you're going to put them into a facility, you've got a lot of steps to, to take care of. So you have to think of where you're going to, where your loved one's going to be. If the loved one's going to be at home, can you afford, you know, the help or nurse or does the insurance pay for maybe three hours of nursing care or whatever? Uh, can you hire somebody to sit there with them? Do you have any way to keep them while you are at work so that you can calm down? But you need to start that months ahead of time. You can't do that two weeks before because you've got to get all of that straight. Um, now, when it was time for me to make a decision about my mom, she fell before we had the time to do that. So that pressured me to have to get her ready to be into a nursing facility quickly. So I had a lot of quick work to do. So I had to calm down, separate myself from the situation, and just think logically. You got paperwork? Do you have an attorney? Do you know how to handle the paperwork? Have you interviewed the facility, and I was encouraging a friend of mine who has to put her mom in a nursing home, and I said, did did you make an appointment with the administrator of the nursing home? Did you have uh, scheduled a tour of every division of the nursing home, the recreation, the feeding, the the nurse's station, where they're going to live, had them take you through and tell them every step of what they do uh, for your loved one and you walk through the facility and see if it's someplace you could feel comfortable for them to be. But that had to be done, and you had to do this and set up some time to do that. And then, of course, with the paperwork. But you can't let it overwhelm you. You just have to schedule everything. And Anike's book is great about teaching you how to schedule everything right up to the end and then establishing how you're going to maintain the relationship with the nursing home and with the nurses and the doctors in the care. Uh, Same thing with home. So the main thing is stop, take a deep breath, because you know you have to go forth on this. There's no emotion. You've got to do what you have to do. And if you can't figure it out, then you call on someone that you know has either been there or, like you said, a lawyer or someone who you can trust, a nurse, a professional, caretaker, to walk you through the steps. But don't ever try to do it on your own if you don't have experience in doing this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nita, I want to check in on you. Are you still there? Yeah, I think I think I have it fixed. I don't know what's going on with my phone. I apologize for that. Okay, yeah. Okay. Would you like to um, add anything? Um, I mean, getting ready to go back to work for my most uh, concern was that she would be taking her her medications um, at the right time. Um, she has AM and PM, and um, there were times when she first came that she would take the AM and, and instead of the PM. So I bought a I bought something to prepare myself so she would have, it basically is an alarm and it goes off and only the pills that she's supposed to take will come out. So that helped me a lot getting prepared to go back to work. Something that simple um, is huge. That is huge. 
great. Yeah, that is great. So on caregiving journey, we all know that things can be unpredictable. <laughs> you just don't know. Sometimes it's day-to-day, sometimes it's moment-to-moment. And I had some surprises along the journey. Um, one of the things that surprised me, especially in, in the hospital, um, is just the, the nurse-to-patient ratio and how sometimes you just cannot get a hold of somebody. I remember having a couple of, I don't know how many people know about the terms of endearment, when she had the moment where she said, give her her shot. I had a couple of those terms of endearment moments, like somebody get in here and do something now, but it's kind of a delicate dance because you don't want to upset anybody, but at the same time, get in that room. And so you have those kind of moments where it's like, is this really happening? And so, um, Mom, did you have any kind of moments where something just, like, surprised you? In the hospital, no. (laughs) No, I'm very familiar with that. I'm not, you know, naive to that situation um, as far as that's concerned. But what I did do um, as far as my mom is concerned in the hospital, because it's hard when they're elderly to convince them that they have to wait. Mm. It's very hard. So I didn't get upset with the staff or the nurses because I know there is a wait. Now, if she was in excruciating pain, we would have an issue. I would probably be, deal with it much differently. If it's just the having to wait, then it's, you have to encourage the patient. And if she's, and I'm not sure how you can if they're in a state of dementia, but um, I had to encourage her to understand that just because of this, she cannot have it right away. And but I had one thing I did do is to talk to the nurses. They know that she's elderly, but that's okay. She didn't know my mother, so I had to encourage them to be patient with her, even though they should have been. I just made sure that they knew I knew they had to be patient with her. Maybe that's a little bit harsh, but it's mom. (laughs) (laughs) Need any surprises? Uh oh. Did we just see that again? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Ms. Vita. Well, we just don't keep it moving. I'm I'm sorry. I'm back. I'm here. I don't know what's going on. My phone is like going in and out. It blacks out and then it comes back on. But I can hear you. It's really weird. (laughs) I'm sorry. I apologize, Anike. That's okay. Um, I I was just saying that. most of the time that she was in the hospital was during COVID mm-hmm. and they didn't allow me to be, you know, in the room so much with her. So I had to rely on phone calls. So I, I tried to be as patient and friendly as possible while I was on the phone with them um, just because I knew that I was relying on them. So um, a lot of times I would get very frustrated um, because I would rely on them calling me back, I would leave messages. And so that kind of surprised me only because, you know, I know that there's only so many nurses and probably the ratio is so different. Um, You know, I know it's hard for them to call me back, but it it was very difficult for me to hold that that patience. Here we are again at patience. Um, Yeah. That was my experiences. It was it was difficult. 
I like what you said, though. They, they're attending to your, your loved one. So even though we are ready to get a little bit antsy, we got to figure out how to hold that back because they're caring for your loved one. And then the COVID situation, you're not able to even be there to see what happens. So you have to try to keep that under control so that they would love, would, would take care of your loved one with, with the care that you hope that they would give. So that, that, that's very good. That's very good. Thanks, Nita, for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. All right, we have a caller. Let's see. Caller, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? All right. Yes, we can. Thank you for joining in. Thank you for having me. I love, I absolutely love this show. I love reading your book, um, which is very helpful for me right now because I am helping someone to, or I would say helping someone uh, mentally as they are caring for someone else and encouraging them. Um, but one of the things that I've learned in the process of, like, helping somebody care for someone is just how often um, things change. So, like, I love how you tell someone to be organized and you have in your book to talk about, you know, making sure you write things down and making sure um, that you go in there super prepared. But what happens when you do all of that and then um, you're just meeting roadblock after roadblock, like the insurance is not um, – the insurance is not approving things in the time that you need them approved, and and you don't have um, any other resources outside of insurance. How do you handle when you do everything that you can to be organized and the process is just so unorganized with other people that it just keeps throwing you off? And I have another question after that question. Yeah, that, that, that is really, really tough. And one of the things I say, I always say there's two things when it comes to claims and, and medical claims, medically necessary. You have to make sure that all the information you have will um, ensure that the medical company that's covering the, that's covering the service will see it as medically necessary. Then you have to make sure that it's um, within the network of, of doctors as far as the actual insurance company. So you have to make, um, there's a certain amount of doctors that they work with, so you have to make sure that you're meeting the criteria of the actual insurance company, whether it's um, the, the actual service itself and the actual um, providers that are pro- providing the, the coverage, and then making sure that it's medically necessary. I think a lot of times people get stuck in that area because they, they send all this information, and even though you feel that's medically necessary. It needs to be medically necessary on paper. So you need to make sure that you are reading the, the, the benefits information um, on the actual website of the company. What do they need, you know, when it comes to claims? What all is involved to make sure that these things are covered? Do that first. Get, do your homework and make sure that's all in place because sometimes that is the issue. You're missing something. And then once you get all that information, talk to the actual provider. And, you know, what, what have you received? What am I missing for, for you? Because sometimes you might be missing something that, you, that, that they need. And make sure that you have a conversation. These things are not being covered. Why is that? You know, and so you, they might direct you to their medical assistant who, who does this for a living. 
and you sit down and you have a conversation with them and you say, okay, this is all what I have, you know, just put it all out there. All the information from the insurance company, all the, the stuff that I'm doing, I need you as a person that knows this stuff to walk me through this and what am I missing, what do I have to do, because they might be able to direct you. Want me to have something? Well, um, yeah, my input there is um, the fact that you're t- depending on the paperwork that you send to the insurance company. Uh, no, uh-uh. <laughs> I, su- I can submit it, but the very moment it's submitted, I call the company. I don't wait the next day. I don't wait two days. I don't wait three days because what's happening is going to be put in a pile somewhere on someone's desk until they get to the point where they can use it or they can review it, and you want them to, to review it now. So I've emailed it to wherever I'm supposed to email it. It's going to some central processing system, and it's sitting there in their central processing system. So you have to get it out of the central processing system. And I'm going to tell you, usually what I did with, as far as my mother is I used the administrator of the facility, the head person, because she knows all the little all the little innuendos, and she said, okay, this is the carrier, this is what we do, and here's who you need to call at this company because I know this is how the relationship was. They do business with them all the time. So I had, I went to the head of the administration of that, that facility. They gave me the, the, you know, the contact because they did with the, that company. They have to do with that insurance company. So that insurance company will pay their bills. <laughs> and then that gets the ball rolling. But I didn't wait 24 hours. And then when you call, they'll say they don't have it. That's when you need to make sure they take it out of the pile and put it to the top because you have an emergency. Absolutely. We have to be aggressive, and I'm sorry, maybe that's a little bit much, but we have to be aggressive in those instances. Absolutely, 100%. And in addition to that, make sure that they have the right information. There are certain codes that go along with the actual treatment. So there's a certain code that they have to, sometimes that is an issue because some codes are very, they're very close together. So it could be something that is more cosmetic than medical. So you also have to deal with that as well when you're actually doing your your research. Um, Nita, you have anything? It's funny that you say that because I was just thinking as your mom was talking, about how important it is to make sure that the code that they put down matches the actual procedure or because I have had uh, instances where the code is wrong and the insurance doesn't want to cover. So, you know, I, you have to make sure those codes are right. And I know you're not, you're not trained for that, but you're kind of going to get trained for it because um, it's really <laughs> important, will. those codes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you do get you get trained quickly. Thank you for that. Yeah. So your next question, or, or did we answer your question? That's what. No, you definitely answered my question, um, and then you kind of touched on my next question at the same time. I, you know, I heard you guys before I called um, talking about just um, you just started t- touching into um, into you know, when you're calling an office and you know trying to get someone onto the phone, but what happens? when um, that doesn't happen, you're being aggressive. And now, um, because you're being aggressive, the office is not moving at the pace that you need them to, and you're being aggressive, you're following up, you're doing everything that you can do in your due diligence, but 
Um, but they're just not giving you the feedback or the response that you need. And sometimes in that situation, what we're finding is approvals can be 24 hours or 48 hours, and then that approval now gets lapsed, and you have to start the process all over again of getting another approval. So how do you kind of navigate through that to either, one, prevent that, or two, what do you do when that's happening? Okay, again, you need you don't because you can get caught up in in the the, the wheel of this thing. I wasn't going to get caught up because I only had a few weeks left before she had to be in there uh, into the facility. Again, I went to the head of the facility that I want her to be in. I went to the administrator, sat down in front of her, closed the door, and had a two-and-a-half-hour session. I came out there with a headache, but I, had, I'm, I guarantee you was, I had a headache because she gave me the reality of life for the facility. But she told, and I said, I need the guidance as to how to get to my answer to the insurance company now. Because, but they do business with the carrier, so they may have some, some way to get to that right area. And if she didn't, then um, what happens is you can talk to someone who's dealt with that. But I would suggest you go to the head of that and make an appointment, but not over the phone. You need to be in front of that administrator's face. Your mother's going into a nursing home. She's going to live there. You need to make an appointment, sit down, close the door, and, and look in her face and make her take, or him, take time to tell you exactly the relationship the home has with the insurance company. Because if they don't have a relationship, we, we got issues already. But the facility I put my mom in, they knew all about the insurance company because they, they depend on them to pay their bills. So I went to them who gave me a way to get into the carrier. And that was also so, a way so for them to understand that, that, that the daughter is going to be involved and you know, these things are going to happen because she's involved and you know, she's going to be involved every step of the way. Right. So, when you, so are there any websites or anything that kind of help with um, if somebody needs help with, like, resources or um, any organizations that help fund if Medicaid or Medicare can't cover it, do you do you have any steps or practical websites to help with that? Um, if Medicare will not pay for it or Medicaid will not pay for it, is that what you're saying? Yes. I mean, Medicare or Medicaid? My, so, like, for instance, in my particular situation, um, it's my grandmother-in-law. And um, she was approved after a crazy uh, back and forth, but um, she needs long-term care. And, um, and it's funny that you mentioned about coding because that became an issue. But um, she was approved for – she is in need of hospice or long-term care. She can no longer care for herself, and she's beginning to go blind. However, the insurance company is only willing to cover 10 days of either hospice or long-term care, and they're not willing to do rehab. So what do you do when you need more than that and they're just not providing that? I have a question. You said insurance company. Are you talking Medicare or are you talking a regular insurance company? Because a regular insurance company is not going to do that unless you have purchased 
long-term care. And if you didn't purchase long-term care, when you were working, you don't get it from the insurance company. That's why I'm saying Medicare. Okay? You yeah, don't, don't expect insurance Yeah, we have a Medicare um, a Medicare premium, and that premium is um, is not covering more than 10 days. Yeah, you need to be in contact with Medicare. Medicare.gov. Has, um, and they, they normally send out booklets with a lot of information, and including information about long-term care and, and hospice care. And so I would definitely um, get with Medicare, you know, go to Medicare.gov, get some of the resources, and start uh, developing the questions that you have, and then give them a call directly. Can you afford to have an attorney that specializes in this field to talk to you and give you some consultation? That's a really hour. good idea. Um, I will suggest that to my mother-in-law. Yeah, get yeah. some consultation. She's some consultation right now. Yeah, because I still have a question. I'm over in the air about that. Yeah, and but I would definitely get the get the information. Go to these resources and and get the questions. Get all the questions that you that you know that you need to have in place, so that when you do go to this attorney, you'll be able to ask everything that you need to know within that. Because you know, of course, the attorney that's a they're probably going to, you know, charge quite a bit. So just make sure you have everything in place when well, you, when you, you go. go. to a specialist attorney, you probably don't even have to ask them nothing because they do this every day. They're probably, they're probably give you the whole outline. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, definitely do that. Um, Nita, you have anything? Um, I know she was talking before about how it, going back to the doctor's offices and how you get people to to pay attention to you or call you back. Or um, I learned from the doctor's office, perspective to, you know, when you go in to see the doctor, to talk to the doctor, let the doctor know your, your concerns. Um, it was just mm-hmm. just a, a simple thing as taking her blood. Um, they have an issue every time we go. They can never get her blood. So they, you know, it, it just became a, a real process of, of we would have to schedule to go somewhere else. So I talked to the doctor any of my concerns that I have with their staff or with anything going on. And it seems to have, uh, I guess in some cases it could turn around and, and the nurses could be upset about it. But I think if you speak to the doctor about your concerns and let them handle it, instead of, again, you're, you're going to have to talk, you know, with a lot of patients when you're talking to these, to the nurses. And even though you're, you're stressing maybe a little bit, that's the key is to talk to them. You can talk to them firmly, but in a, in a nice tone where, you know, they're not going to be upset and they're not going to be, they're going to do their jobs and understand that you're not going to let them not do their jobs. Perfect. Absolutely. I like Absolutely. that. That really and answers my question. I really appreciate you. Yeah, and also hhs.gov has a lot of uh, various information resources for caregivers as well. So check that out. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for calling in and tuning in. Don't go away. Thank you. Learned that with Medicare, if the doctor signs off that the the person the patient is bedridden then they can receive uh, more of the in-home care than 10 days. Mm-hmm. That's right, absolutely. That's why I was saying I think Medi- Medicare will do more because I had my mother on Medicare, and uh, we got 
I didn't get that type of response, so that's, I was questioning that. Thank you, Nita. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. We, oh, this is such a great show. I'm so excited. We have 15 more minutes left in the show. If you have any questions or comments, I am looking at the emails at amikepassionjourney at gmail.com. And in the studio, 347-539-5372. Thank you so much for everybody in the studio. I see you and appreciate each and every one of you. So we covered a lot, um, especially when it comes to returning to work and the long-distance care and and we last the last last show I talked when I was talking to new caregivers I was talking a lot more about um, office visits so I'm glad that we touched more on the hospital and of course emergency room is that's a whole other thing <laughs> and you think it's you think it's similar to the hospital visits but it really isn't it's just a whole other world and so one of the things I definitely encourage you to do if you get my book Step by Step Caregivers Guide. For medical appointments and hospital visits, I break it down to the, the various types of appointments and just kind of really look through that to see that, the, that it really is different and how you handle it is, is different going in. And as far as the, some of the things that you need to know before going into a hospital visit and the, uh, um, the office visits is that it's you know, you have the standard things. You have the ID card. You have the driver's license. You have the standard things that you need to have. But another thing that I, I really emphasize in the book is that there's something I, I refer to as condition notes. Medical history and condition notes are separate. Condition notes for me is that morning they had a migraine headache for 20 minutes. They lost consciousness, and I'm writing down as close as I can to real time what happened. Because a lot of times when you go into these, they want to know how they're feeling. Did anything happen this morning? And so you want to kind of add that to your list as far as what you need going in. And so when you talk about the different experiences and different types of appointments, you know, it's everything from referrals to condition notes. There's just so many different things. So when you're actually creating this resource, make sure that your resource is divided up to the various types of appointments that you deal with. Not everybody's going to deal with everything, but divide it up so that you'll know how to handle each and every visit. I did that for myself, and it made a world of difference. So I'm just offering that to you. Um, I have to emphasize self-care. For me, I did not do a very good job in that area. The areas that I did do well um, is that because you kind of have to separate yourself sometimes from from your the world that you're in, and just kind of I zoned out with music. So like my dad, I, I created a playlist for him when he got treatment, and he was able to just forget about the fact that he was getting the treatment because he loved music, and he was just able to zone out. And I did that for myself. I had my own playlist. Sometimes I'd be on YouTube just kind of going through videos, something else that says I'm not doing this at this moment because sometimes you're doing it all the time. You've got to separate yourself and, and do the self-care. And so, Mom, you, for me, you had the more difficult 
because you had to work the manning job, then you had to come home, get maybe two or three hours in, and then I updated you, and it was off for the night. And I prayed the whole time, let him have a good night. <laughs> so for you, how did you manage to get that self-care in there? Oh, boy, that's interesting. I never thought about that. Um, um, I guess that depends on your personality. My personality is, is not, is a little different. And so um, I guess you call a driver. So um, moving and having to stop and do this and stop and do that, I don't put a lot of emphasis on it. I don't think about the fact that I only had three hours of sleep and I got to get up and go to work and I had a pressurized job and then I came home and then I had to go to the hospital. That's just what you have to do. So I'm not going to cry about it. In reality, I I face reality. I'm a realist. So that's my personality. So you can't, you know, that was what I did. I understood three hours. I understood I had to come home. I understood I had to, you know, what I had to do for your dad. I understood I was not going to sleep all night. I understood I had to work. I understood. So it is what it is. I, self-care I was not good at. Um, I have to confess. But um, that's just the personality. I do apologize for not having taken self-care. <laughs> but that, that's, hey, that, that's, that, that's just the way I deal yeah. with situations. Yeah. Nita, what about you as far as self-care? Um, I think my self-care is in between, I guess you could say. Um, I usually get up pretty early. Um, on the weekends, I'll sit on my porch, have my coffee, um, have a little bit of me time, maybe watch videos or or even go on Facebook or anything for, you know, at the time for me in the morning until she gets up. And then the same thing in the evening. She's usually um, 8 o'clock is her bedtime. So as soon as those pills go off and she knows it's time to go to bed, she will go to bed at 8 o'clock. So I usually get a little bit time there, too, um, before I go to bed. Um, So that, I think, is important to have, um, that little me time. Anytime you can sneak it in, it's it's really important. I do agree with that 100%. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Get that self-care in. And a couple of things that I I wish I had done and I kind of added in in the book is that, um, and actually I did do one thing. When he did physical therapy, I did the physical therapy with him. So that was something. And then when he rested, I rested like you you, um, were just talking about, Nita. So, yeah, I got to get that in there. And, Nita, you and I are creative. And so... I made time for pursuing my passions because that was also a part of self-care for me because it made me happy, you know, to, to create, you know, create stories. Um, I wrote articles, and that, was, and that was another thing that helped me mentally because it was, it was very mentally challenging for me not to earn income. So the income that I did earn from freelance writing was also a part of self-care. And so... Um, I, you know, I encourage anybody who is who's a caregiver to consider that. Consider freelancing or entrepreneurship. It may not, you may not be able to um, devote a lot of time to it, but any time that you can, you never know. You never know what can develop. You can earn $100 here, $200 there. It's a whole lot better than nothing at all. 
And so, and it, it helps you mentally, it helps your wallet. So just um, that's something that you can, I saw um, a news um, segment with uh, the young lady who, a caregiver, created a website, and now she's earning an income. So, Nita, I know you are a, a wonderful poet, and so um, how do you keep those passions going? Um, you know, that's something that's really been all of my life. It's been easy for me. Um, pretty much any subject anyone gives me, I can come up with a rhyme. I don't know how I do it, but um, so that is a passion for me. And, and I do, you know, I send a rhyme for every holiday through the whole employment, yeah. through the whole job. <laughs> so that's something that makes me feel good. Um, you know, yeah. I, I it's not even really for for people saying, oh, that was great or anything, it just, it's a relief. And I think that anything that you can do, and especially if you can manage to pull in a couple dollars here and there um, doing it, I say go for it. I mean, you have to have, again, you have to have your me time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, the two of you got me (laughs) to the point where now I feel bad because I didn't take a me time. (laughs) But this is great. Uh, Don't caregivers don't listen to me. But this is this is the this is good, and I like that. And Nikkei did do that, and it helped her out mentally quite a bit in taking her time and escaping when she could. So that's that that's that's a wonderful thing. And it's, it's real, because some caregivers are like that. They just, this is way, and that's just real, and it's reality. So you have, you have to look at both sides. It's, it's what it is, really. And so on the other side of that, for the patient, I talked about creating, because um, I knew what happened. My dad and I were, we're very, very close. And so I knew him. I knew what he liked, and I knew the type of uh, music that he liked, the smooth jazz, gospel um, you know, all the different kinds of um, music. So I created specific um, playlists that he absolutely loved. And um, so one of the things that I also want to stress is, as far as the, the patient themselves is make sure that they also have an out. Because while you're dealing with all the caregiving, they're also dealing with everyday, like especially they got to deal with this illness. They got to deal with these treatments. They got to deal with people poking them and doing all this stuff and, and ignoring them during, um, during medical appointments and talking to the caregiver. They got to deal with all that. That's mentally stressful. Mm-hmm. I've been a patient. I know how that feels. And while we're sacrificing a lot, they're giving away a lot. And it's not because they want to, but because it's their situation. So anytime I was able to get him to forget that, I did it, and and it made a it made a difference. And he told me it made a difference, which made me feel good. And so Nita, I know that you try to do that kind of thing. You you, you include your mother-in-law and all kinds of things. And so, what kinds of things do you do you offer in that area? Um, I mean, we like simple things, taking her to dinner. Um, taking her camping, you know, anything that she can do um, with us. She enjoys it. Um, she does want to do more than what she can, and I know it's frustrating for her um, not to be able to, like you said. Um, 
especially talking to the doctors and things like that. Um, it is frustrating, and that's something that anybody that's taking care of someone should keep in mind because it is frustrating them. So you have to have a lot more patience. Again, that seems to be a big word in this uh, this show. Um, you got to have the patience and understand that she is going to be frustrated. So you got to try not to show your frustration. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, if you can believe it, we're down to the last four minutes of the show. Any final words, Mom? <laughs> no, this has been a wonderful challenge, and I'm glad. Thank you, and I'm glad you had me because I've learned something from her. I even came down a few knots by just listening to her calming voice. So this was a great thing. And uh, thank you. This is beautiful. I wish you all the very best. Thank you. Thank you. Nita, any final words? Um, the only thing I would like to say is to your mom, if your coping was the way that you handled it, then you didn't do anything wrong there. Um, you definitely coped the way that you knew how, and that's what you were comfortable with. So, hey, amen to that. Thank you. I appreciate that encouragement. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Ladies, this has been a wonderful, wonderful hour. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you coming on and taking this time with me and sharing all of this great wisdom and great tips. Um, thank you, those of you who are tuning in. If, if you tune in for the first time or you tune in again, I thank each and every one of you. Once again, happy National Family Caregivers Month. And caregivers, you know what I'm going to say. If you are doing your best, you are doing great. Don't let anybody tell you any different. If you want to keep up with me, please go to my website at www.anikemadison.net. Come on back. Because December 6th, we are going to prep for 2022. We've got to get prepped. We've got a lot of stuff coming up and going on. 12th episode of JIP Inspiration Moment will be happening on November 29th on my Facebook page and Instagram, so make sure that you, you, you check it out. All the information is centralized on my website, so you don't have to go all over the place. You can just go right there, and it'll take you to the various links. And, of course, keep Everyday Folks Radio Programming at www.blogtalkradio.com slash everydayfolksradio. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you have a wonderful time with your friends and family, and let's take care of each other. Don't forget self-care. Believe in your God-given gifts and talents. Never, ever, ever forget your passion. Have a great rest of your weekend. I wish you great success on your journey into your passions. Thank you.